Hello from the 2018 Equal Justice Conference in San Diego, California. I'm Kimberly Sanchez. And I'm Steve Scudder. I'm Will Hornsby. I'm Bev Gurdine. And I'm Terry Brooks. And we're on the road with Legal Talk Network. for joining us on the road. I am super excited to introduce this panel here today. It's kind of a one-off here on this conference, but totally necessary because we have some incredibly important leaders in the American Bar Association, in the access to justice community to talk to us today. So why don't you all just give us a little information about each one of you. I'm going to start with you, Steve. I'm Steve Scudder, and I'm formerly the committee counsel for the ABA Standing Committee on Pro Bono and Public Service. I um, am leaving the ABA after 23 and a half years of service. I'm Will Hornsby, and I am formerly staff counsel to the Standing Committee on the Delivery of Legal Services, which has the mission of enhancing access to lawyers and legal services for people of moderate income who uh, may have a little too much for legal aid or pro bono services, but not enough for full and traditional uh, representation. Huge, important piece. And I'm Bev Gurdine, and I am the former former counsel to the ABA Commission on Interest on Li- Lawyers Trust Accounts, and also the former associate counsel to the Standing Committee on Legal Aid and Indigent Defendants. And I'm Terry Brooks, and as my colleague Bev Grodin mentioned, I wear multiple hats. I was the chief counsel to the ABA Standing Committee on Legal Aid and Indigent Defendants, and I also um, was the director of the ABA's Division for Legal Services, which was the um, staff umbrella that supported uh, the IOLTA Commission, the Pro Bono Committee, the Legal Aid Committee, and seven other committees, all of which um, had something to do with how pe- people um, obtain legal help. Well, and like, which is an incredibly important piece to like how the delivery of services is provided and what is going on in the legal profession. It's very interesting stuff. And you all have sort of watched this movement grow. And actually, as I was listening to you, I was thinking, you know, I between the, the amount of time that you all have served, it's almost like, you know, a centennial or more? It's 800, or? 800 years, actually, between <laughs> them. <laughs> that is a lot of time. Right. Seems so like it. The changes that you have seen in this period of time have probably been incredible, and I think that this audience would be actually interested to know from each one of your perspectives in, like, this world that we live in right now, what is it that you have seen that has been like the reason why access to justice has become such an important conversation? And where do you see us going in the next, I don't know, however many you want to say, years? Um, but let's talk about that. So let's start with Steve. Well, Kim, it's an awfully great question. I, you know, I think, I think that... Um, Can it be more broad, uh, right? Yeah, you really you kind of... <laughs> Knocked it out of the park there. Um, we, we have an opportunity, I think, to just reflect on the way that the legal community has responded to a broad array of legal needs for low-income people and communities, for um, moderate-income folks who really couldn't afford the full 
fee of an attorney and for the um, issues that are cropping up all the time and what that, that make a difference to communities and to um, individuals. And what, what I think we've seen and what I've certainly seen is that things have become much less siloed um, than ever before over the years. Um, and there are lots of reasons for that, but a, a lot of the barriers that used to just be that there would be a um, pro bono program and then maybe a moderate means program, no technology to support any of it um, when we all first started back in the day. Um, there would be a full fee referral program. There would be sort of these isolated strategies um, to meet particular legal services needs. and. Things have just become much more sophisticated and engaging, and um, the way that um, those programs have become funded as technology has developed, the way that technology has helped to really create opportunities for people to access a wide range of legal services without having to do 47 intakes um, has really been profound. But I'm going to leave it there and defer to um, those who have different perspectives. I think it's important, though, to understand, I think, that there is a great degree of increased partnership and collaboration than ever uh, before. Yeah, so we're growing up and we need to, like, wrap our arms around the rest of the community, right? We can't just be like, we're lawyers. We have to wrap our arms around everybody. I think that's, I think that's right. what you're saying. Yeah. Okay. Fantastic. I think there's been collaboration not only among the different communities that have an interest in advancing access, but also um, our successes as staff council have been the result of the collaborations we've had with um, the committee members who we've had a chance to serve with throughout the decades. And so um, I'll give you some examples of the things the delivery committee has done, which I think are, uh, are projects that have moved the needle a good deal. We fostered um, self-help centers, and our research actually was responsible for the first self-help center in Maricopa County, and now there's over 500, and they serve um, about 4 million people a year across all economic strata. Uh, we also have championed unbundled legal services, which enables lawyers to collaborate with their clients, to partner with their clients, and reduce the costs of their um, individual legal services. And to um, uh, and, and we know now that there's about 300,000 lawyers in America who are doing unbundling to some extent. And um, also more recently, we've been working with lawyer incubators, which foster newly admitted lawyers and give them the tools to have social conscious uh, uh, law firms and um, do that within the marketplace outside of the subsidized arena. I absolutely love that term, social conscious lawyers, right? I yeah. think that that actually like resonates with lawyers because they want to give back and like, how do they give back? And the, you know, and you all, regardless of the ABA, right? You all have a, like had a ringside seat to why access to justice matters and how this movement has sort of shown itself. And I know in the IOLTA programs, Bev, right? It's really 
they can kind of be a beacon for this kind of thing. So what have you seen and what do you see next? Well, I think one of the things that I do want to talk about is just how we've seen an enormous expansion of funding for legal services. Many IOLTA programs, of course, administer IOLTA funds, but because interest rates dropped so precipitously in 2008, they were in a position where they had to figure out how to diversify funding. And they looked to other sources of funding, state funding, filing fees, and um, all sorts of types of funding to um, expand, make sure that they, there could be legal services provided. And they have been leaders in their states. But we've also seen, and I'm sure I'm going to let Terry talk a little bit more about this, is the, uh, the, the growth of the Access to Justice Commission movement. Um, we're now at close to 40 commissions across the country, and these are entities that bring together the courts, the bar, legal services providers, social service providers, to look at access to justice issues and to figure out how together they can solve some of these problems. So, so what we're, we're, we're talking about, what Steve's talking about, like yes. wrapping our arms around, right? Absolutely. And IOLTA, meaning? Interest on lawyers. Oh, interest on lawyers right. trust accounts, sorry, which is a <laughs> no, funding okay. source. I'm assuming many of the as, lawyers know what it is, as but... Lo- as but <laughs> lawyers, we use these acronyms yes, all the time. you're right. And we don't always know what they mean, okay. so I'm just well, asking. No, thank you very much. It is a funding source that exists in every state and in three, in three of the territories uh, by which uh, the funds that lawyers hold for clients... Uh, accumulate interest, these funds are held in a pooled trust account because they can't earn interest for the individual client, but collectively they can earn a lot of interest, which are then paid to nonprofits that we refer to as IOLTA programs, who then distribute that money uh, basically for legal aid. Right, so lawyers give back, they don't even know it because their money is sitting in their trust account and they're providing that interest to probably, you know, a, a funder on a statewide basis to provide legal services. Amazing. Thank you. Terry, talk to us about Access to Justice Commissions and where we're going. Well, let me just back up a little bit and, and sort of echo and elaborate some of the things that my colleagues have said. You know, I, I think that one of the things that um, the ABA has done and, and, and we have done is bring together different communities, different segments of the legal profession. And, you know, the, the conference that we're speaking to you at, the Equal Justice Conference, started out as several different conferences. And my colleague, Steve Scudder, um, working with, with our um, colleagues at the National Legal Aid and Defender Association brought together several of those communities to form this conference. And, and that was, at the time, it, it, it was sort of an unusual thing to have the pro bono community come together with the staff legal aid community in one conference and talk about their, their common goals. And, and we've done that in, in several other venues along the way. One of the things that the ABA also does is um, find useful approaches to improving the delivery of services and hold those up for replication. And Will really epitomizes that and has done a lot of work with unbundling and incubator programs. And, and the, the other 
sort of part of that is collecting information and putting it out there for um, for others to use and, and, and to learn from. So we've done that with the Access to Justice community where we've collected a lot of information um, about funding. Um, one of the things the ABA has done over the last 17 years is, is gather every year uh, data on all the funding streams that support civil legal aid throughout the country, um, beyond LSC funding, um, into all the other kinds of funding, that, and, and states have learned from that and have been able to grow their own funding streams you know, within their states. So, you know, I, I think we've achieved a lot in terms of um, bringing together different communities. I think Bev mentioned the commissions um, bring together judges and the bar and legal aid and the business community. Um, so it, I think it's been very effective to form new alliances and, and bring together different communities to achieve our, our goal of improving access yeah. to justice. I think the ABA provides an incredible resource, and I did not necessarily realize this as a member until I, I was appointed to Will's committee. Um, and Will's old committee. Will's old committee, exactly. Old Will's. Old committee. Former committee. Former. And I'm not sure that like members understand or recognize all of the importance that the ABA like provides in support to these kinds of things. Not to, I don't want to talk about the ABA because I think what's really important is that you guys are representations of the ABA and the amazing work that they have done in this space, access to justice. So I think I'm gonna close with the question of, and you only get like four seconds to answer. Where are we going? Steve. I think that, I think that the, I'm gonna start <laughs> over. Bev literally just timed you. I saw you. that. That's, oh, watch <laughs> that out, Beverly. Awesome. One word. How about we you? You will see increased diversification of client services and greater co cooperation and collaboration. Yeah, I think we are looking at um, an opportunity to change the ethos of the legal profession, including the rules that govern our professional responsibility in a way that enhances access. Well, what I'm going to say is what, where I hope we're going, which is eventually to a civil right to counsel for all those who need it. I don't think I have anything to add to all of that. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Terry, you should always have the last word. So you all have been absolutely wonderful, and this is a fantastic panel, and I know that this community is going to want to hear from you guys. So everything that you have said, I think, has been incredibly meaningful, and we're totally going to miss you, uh, and we're going to miss your guidance, but I think that, you know, the world changes as it does, and there's lots of opportunity uh, when there are these kinds of challenges. So... Thank you very much for everything. We're super excited. I'm totally excited to go to your, uh, what is it called, Will? The party? Champions of Justice. Champions of Justice. 100% Champions of Justice. So give us your contact information um, if you would like for our listeners to reach out to you. Uh, there will be some people at the Equal Justice Conference that definitely want to reach out. So be careful about the information that you provide. <laughs> Steve, what's your contact information? 
It's um, sbscudder at gmail.com. Whornsby2 at comcast.net. bvg409 at gmail.com. Terry Brooks312 at gmail.com. <laughs> All right. We- <laughs> <laughs> was, was it four All right, nine? we've reached the end. We've reached the end of the road like for today's episode. <laughs> I want to thank our guests for joining us. Thank you. We also want to thank our listeners for tuning in. If you like what you heard, please find and rate us in Apple Podcasts. We'll see you next time for another episode of On the Road with Legal Talk Network. If you'd like more information about what you heard today, please visit LegalTalkNetwork.com. Subscribe via iTunes and RSS, find us on Twitter and Facebook, or download our free Legal Talk Network app in Google Play and iTunes. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. 